0: Hi, I'm Laura Schultz. This is Starting to Feel Better, a podcast about healing from trauma, violence, and abuse. For the past 10 years, I've been an advocate, educator, and social worker focusing on trauma-responsive care and victim or survivor-centered advocacy. Music is another important part of my life. Lately, I've been especially interested in the intersection between creativity and healing from trauma. In this podcast, I intend to further explore using the creative arts as a method of healing with guests who work in these fields. This is a podcast about connecting with each other and embracing all of the parts of ourselves. It's about recognizing, as Carl Jung said, that we are not what happened to us. We are who we choose to become. Welcome to Starting to Feel Better. Thanks for... (laughs) Thanks for kind of taking this on. I know it's an additional thing to do and I'm really grateful that you're uh, that you're a part of this podcast. Yeah, um, I'm excited. Yeah, thank you, thank you.
1: I typically introduce myself as Adriana, uh, especially like in professional settings, and then people naturally drop it down to Adri. Oh. I'm a daughter, um, I'm a partner, uh, I'm a preventionist, uh, I'm an activator. I like to get get a task and get it done, move things forward. Uh, I'm an advocate, I'm an introvert, that's been a big one right now especially, um, that I've been seeing show up in lots of different ways. Yes, I am the Prevention Program Coordinator at the Minnesota Coalition Against Sexual Assault.
0: You mentioned some of these identities, this preventionist and advocate, and I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit more about yourself and how you got to your current role.
1: Yeah. um, When I was reflecting on that and like my story and my journey, I realized I've done a lot of stumbling into (laughs) positions and into this line of work. Um, And I feel like that's a fairly normal journey for people. I started really having a passion around uh, healthy relationships, sex education. Those were really important to me. Almost my whole life, kind of as far back as I can remember, I, my parents were teen parents, and so that was something that was a challenge growing up. Um, I spent a lot of time primarily raised by my grandparents because my parents were fairly like in and out of my life. My mom would be working two jobs, so like she was always present, but kind of doing whatever she could to provide uh, more so than like specifically caretake. So I knew that like instilled a lot in me of wanting to do healthy relationship skills, uh, sex ed, which I then always make the joke of, I know if my parents probably had better sex ed, I might not be here, so I appreciate (laughs) what happened. But just knowing that things that they probably didn't learn or understand or develop like really impacted all of our lives. um, And how lucky and privileged we were to have a lot of family support so that we weren't going through a lot of this alone but also just such that there's just such impact that you don't always see or hear about and so that was something that made me super passionate about kind of women's rights and relationship skills and communication consent all of those things and so when I got to college I had found gender and women's studies and that just really connected for me that and then I paired that with family consumer science um, I really liked focusing on education especially with like children or youth um, and how important that was. So that was what kind of got me in that education field. Um, and through that, I actually um, had taken a advocacy course, the 40-hour advocacy course. And I think we actually took it together, you and I. From oh, at Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think we did it in a summer or a fall or something. We did, yeah, in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I had no idea what advocacy was. Uh, I knew about CADA in the vague sense that kind of everyone in the community knows it's a thing um, that you know people who need it can go to it, but you didn't really know much beyond that. And all of that is probably very intentional uh, at the time. Um, and so I had someone in a gender women's studies class say, they were taking this 40 hour training, you just could pay and go. And I was really intrigued by it. So I had done that. Nothing really came of it for a while, um and then I was doing some just like general college people <laughs> jobs um and i'd uh there was an opening for a front desk position there, and I applied for that, and I didn't get it, but they wanted to hire me as a shelter advocate, so that was again just kind of stumbling into <laughs> a role there um and then from there, I did shelter advocacy both part time and full time for almost two years. Um, And then we were moving out of Mankato. So that was a big piece of kind of why I transitioned out. And then I have experience as a youth advocate at Alexander House. Um, Was not there super long because a position at Mankasa opened. So again, just kind of like stumbling through these open doors without really having an intent of where they would go. Mm -hmm. Um, And I learned through being a youth advocate that working with youth was not my thing. And that was Mm -hmm. an important (laughs) lesson for me to learn.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: They were great, but I was just, I did not have the, I'm not a very patient person and Mm -hmm. youth take a lot of patience and consideration. So, Um, but it was a prevention position that opened at Mincasa, And I had actually said in my five-year career plan, prevention was a direction I wanted to move. Uh, So this was a little earlier than I intended it, but doing, direct service advocacy work. I was just encountering so many amazing, resilient, inspiring people, but I would only encounter them after and because of a trauma they experienced or some sort of conflict or horrible event, or they're in the middle of a relationship that they can't quite figure out if it's good for them. Um, And I really wanted to get in front of that and understand why and how that was happening. And so prevention was kind of that door. Um, and I wanted to, instead of being there for all these fires, really look at how are these things starting and how can we like better prepare for them? And then once you learn prevention, it's more about preventing them, you know, stopping them from ever happening versus how to respond to them. It was a really exciting kind of mind blowing lesson to learn
0: around that. That's a really exciting, um direction that you were able to go in. And you, you're very humble when you say that you stumble through these doors because you, you were very qualified for all of these positions. Um, but I also hear what you're saying in that you didn't have like, I'll go here and then I go here and then I go here. Mm -hmm. You were kind of applying for jobs that sounded good without a real trajectory for that career. But what a, what an exciting one you've, you've been able to embark on. Yeah, absolutely. And again,
1: like advocacy was never a job I had heard of or understood. And once I got that language, I was like, this is what I've always been looking for. Like, This is what I've been trying to explain to people that I want to do. And I've never had the word for it. And I've never known what it looks like in practice. And so once I discovered it, I was like, this is it. This is everything I've been trying to work for. I just didn't know what it was or how to do it.
0: Yeah, I remember hearing similar things from people about like feminism or gender and women's mm-hmm. studies. Once they find that path, once they find that philosophy, once they find mm-hmm. that theory, it's like the the world sort of clicks into focus a little bit more. Yes. And you have language to describe and define what you've been thinking or feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt with prevention work in
1: general, too, is the more I heard kind of definitions of it or strategies and types of work for it, different frame-ups. It all just made so much more sense to me. Um, Like, of course, why wouldn't we try and look at the causation of violence and sexual violence to really address why it's happening? Uh, And even the theory of having a lens to reduce perpetration versus reducing victimization was just like, of course, we're not trying to like protect people or have them find ways they can lessen some sort of violence they're gonna experience because we should all just expect violence to happen. We should be doing things that prevent anyone from thinking or learning or knowing they can act that way. Right. And so it's just these moments of, oh, it's all, yes, it clicks, it all comes together, it makes mm-hmm.
0: sense. I know that you've worked, you mentioned you've worked in victim services for a while now, for a handful of years, how many years? I
1: have been in the field for five years now, a little over that, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I wondered if there were times, so the podcast is kind of about this intersection between creativity, creative arts, creative thinking, and trauma, Mm -hmm. or um, victimization, or post-traumatic growth, and I wondered if there were times in your work, either as a preventionist or as an advocate, or even as a scholar in gender and women's studies, if there were times when, when you have used creativity or seen it benefit individuals who you're working with? I've always supported
1: and encouraged arts in advocacy, um, even just in my work in general. Uh, But I don't consider myself an artistic person. Uh, So it's a bit of a barrier when I want to like bring art into the work. Uh, I think I'm a creative person, but not necessarily like an artsy person. But for support groups and activities I would do, even with one-on-ones with clients, it was very important for me to find some sort of creativity in all of it. Uh, Some people kind of, I feel like, refer to it as like a floofy advocacy, Um, the self-care spirited kind of work. uh, So doing different activities, whether it be journaling or collages, um, I'm really into the self-care wheel activity where you just look at the self-care wheel and you, the center is zero and the outer edge is 10 and you color in how like filled you feel in that specific spoke. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about that for folks and you can do that with tons of different wheel theories, Um, but I'm very visual. And so having art supplies available or doing activities that really made you write and color and look and see what you're feeling Uh, was really important to me in my work. And even now in prevention uh, at Mincasa, we have uh, a Rosemary Project initiative. And for that, we do a video. We're in the works of creating another video, which is super exciting. Um, I'm not doing any of the creative work. Uh, We have an illustrator, and they write their own scripts and everything. But watching just all the pieces come together from script to imagery to voiceover, like picking that, you bring this element of creativity into it that when you think of typical project work, you don't think of how can I make this creative, you kind of just think of how do we get from point A to point B. Um, And so I really like to promote that idea of creativity, especially in prevention, I sell it as a key point. um, Because obviously, what we've been doing hasn't been working. Um, Or maybe it's working in different ways, but it's not having that impact we want to see. So how can we get creative and bring different creativity into it? to really Mm -hmm. boost it in those ways.
0: Yeah. I love that um, self-care wheel, like zero to 10. I've never seen that Mm -hmm. before, but that sounds really cool and really effective. And one of the things that we talk about is how important it is with trauma to give ourselves the opportunity to externalize safely. Mm -hmm. And I think about what you're describing as an externalization, We know you know trauma can just feel like absolute chaos inside of us, and so to be able to create something concrete, even with a numerical scale, Mm -hmm. I think is a really terrific way to think about um, creativity for those who maybe feel as though creativity is scary. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of folks, myself included, have had experiences with creativity where maybe we had a teacher who discouraged us but so i wondered if that was the case because you said i don't really think of myself as an artistic person i wondered if there was anything um artistically for you that you felt like i i liked it and then i stopped liking it at this point because this thing happened
1: yeah i so for me i think of creativity and within that art as an outlet um Mm -hmm. and it really just allows you to express and, uh, and explore things about you that maybe you're not ready to necessarily talk about or say out loud. Uh, So that's something that I really connect with with getting to be creative is how can I use it as an outlet to express these different things that I don't really know Mm -hmm. how I feel about them or how they're impacting me, I just kinda know they're there and so how can I get that out? Um, And so I think I get to a point when that gets scary Mm -hmm. for me is when it starts becoming like, oh, this is what I'm like discovering or about to discover. And sure. I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah. Uh, or I don't want to interpret what that means just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that art and creativity lets you get to that point. Yeah, And I think that's kind of the goal of a lot of it is mm-hmm. how can you express yourself and explore yourself without having to fully commit or confront something necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, So journaling is a huge thing I would like have people do for support groups, Uh, stuff I tell my friends to do. I have a journal. I'm just bad at like habit building and so that's where I can get really engaged in one of these awesome creative self-care ideas and then over time I kind of fall back on it um, Mm -hmm. because it's that Making it really part of my daily practice that I struggle with. Yeah That becomes kind of that
0: challenging barrier. Yeah, absolutely. I I definitely hear you there. It's hard, especially right now Mm -hmm. um, for a lot of us, you know, to feel like we can Create, maintain routines when everything is all Mm topsy-turvy. Yeah,
1: and I think art and forms of art expression get really condensed into this box of what we're supposed to think art is. So do you paint? Do you draw? Do you make music? Do you work with clay? It really gets shoved into like, what we mean by art. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why I like to think about it in a form of more creativity, because it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be like, if you took art class in elementary school, it doesn't have to be something that necessarily fit in that criteria of art, Mm -hmm. we can really find what works best for us, um, so I really connect with a lot of self-care activities, and for me, I need to be
0: doing at least one of the things that like fills my cup or brings me joy. And what do you think, um, in general, we talked a little bit about this, but why those creative arts feel especially well-suited for individuals who have experienced trauma?
1: Yeah, again, I think it's just an opportunity to really be reflective, in ways that aren't the traditional ways we're kind of told to be. Uh, So I support therapy, I do therapy, I think it's great. It's not for everyone. Um, And what's challenging about that is you are really showing up in your whole self and being super vulnerable and just talking. And that's not the best way for all of us to process um, or even kind of look at ourselves, uh, especially literally now. we are constantly looking at ourselves, and we are doing some sort of Zoom or platform. And mm-hmm. so, what are these ways that we can either visually or with music, we're listening? What are just different senses we can tap into that help us express how we're feeling? Um, and I think that's one of the challenging things right now. Is I am a roller coaster of emotions, kind of every day. Um, about every hour I feel completely different where I'm like, things are great, everything's going well. I control my feelings and I am positive today. And then the next hour I'm like, oh my gosh, everything is heavy and dark yeah. and scary and I don't know what to do and I don't have the answer. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, but I control myself. So I have to control my, yeah. you know, how I feel. And so I bring myself back up and I think art just opens that door to sit where you are and that's and like hold that and that be okay
0: that's beautiful adri yeah it makes me think too what you're saying about like mindfulness Mm -hmm. um which we talked about on the podcast uh, a a few times because it's so relevant to to what you're saying that it really art can help bring your head to where your feet are at right like Mm -hmm. can really get you in the moment through your senses through grounding
1: yeah and i think that's really important for a lot of us right now is to just be where you are and have that be okay and good enough.
0: Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. Just let it be good enough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Release some of that. Give yourself a little grace. Exactly. Yep. So this is something we've been talking about the entire time because how could we not? But with shelter in place here in Minnesota, we're all struggling to find a bit of routine, certainty, and comforts. So, what are some of the things that you are doing right now to cope?
1: My biggest thing right now is leaning into what I'm feeling and what I need. Uh, again, things change for me every couple hours, every couple days. And so I'm really just trying to be where I am and have that be what it is. Lean into it, uh, don't fight it. Uh, trying to avoid the shoulds, I think, is a huge thing I'm working on. Uh, I respect. And love everyone who is starting new hobbies, who is baking all the bread, who are trying new things, um, doing house projects, good on you. And I'm trying to just be where I'm at and be like, I don't need to say I should be cleaning more or mm-hmm. I should learn how to cook or mm-hmm. I should journal every day. I'm just trying to be where I am and let that be okay. Um I love doing yoga. I should do it more, but I'm not going to like let myself think that way. Uh, if I do it, I did it, and that's great, and if I didn't, that's good enough too. Um, one of the things that has really stuck with me from a therapy session I had is my therapist said, instead of asking yourself, what should I be doing right now, ask yourself, what do I need right now? And that's just where I kind of keep bringing myself back to. What do I need right now? And unfortunately, a lot of the time, sometimes that's just to sit on the couch. And that's going to be okay for now. Um, So those are kind of the two, like, bigger things I'm trying Mm -hmm. to hold on to. Um, And then I'm doing a lot of shopping. Mm -hmm. Turns out you can order lots of things online, and then they just come to your door, and it's magical. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And then recognizing my privilege, uh, we had talked a little bit about, like, I don't have children. I still have a job. I have a supportive partner. We have a home that we live in. We have a backyard, so I have access to the outdoors, and just recognizing that I am not feeling the impact of COVID-19 in the same ways that other people are, and like you said, I have to give myself grace for that, um, because, I, I can be, as they say, like, I'm thriving right now, I'm doing really well, Things. this is actually like a very good condition for me to do well in and that's okay. I can feel that and I can know that that's not the case for everyone and that both of those realities are just true. Mm-hmm. Um, so recognizing my privilege in that but also not letting myself be punished for having that and finding different ways that I can then use my privilege to be supportive during these times.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I've found that I've been doing a lot of, because like you mentioned, we're seeing ourselves all the time Mm -hmm. and we're seeing the space around us all the time. And I too have a lot of privilege at this time. And so I've been buying a lot of art from artists Mm -hmm. um, who, you know, that's their whole living is creating Art that I certainly cannot do, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, but I but I can look at it every day um, and really value it, and and that has mm-hmm. been a way to bring a little bit of beauty and kind of um, recognize that privilege and reallocate some of the mm-hmm. privilege that I do have because yeah, still got these jobs and still. <sighs> I'm, st- I'm making the same amount of money I was before all this started, but I'm spending a lot less money cause I can't go anywhere, you know? Yep. So, um, what are ways that I can, yeah. Recognize and, and give back. Like you're saying that's yeah, really I, important.
1: Yeah. I love that you pointed that out. Um, I'm in my, we have a two bedroom duplex unit. Um And one of them is like my little self-care room, I call it. I uh, and just yesterday, I actually hung up um, a print that a friend got me and then two cross stitches. So I have a friend who does cross stitch and I've been buying them from her. I ordered some stickers that a friend of mine designed and sells on Etsy. So I've also been really trying to buy and invest in local Mm-hmm. i try as best as i can to at least do local yeah. to minnesota or local to minneapolis artists um and if not that that broader sense of just folks i know who do art yeah because i'm like i said i'm very visual and so having yeah. these things that help center me or help bring me joy mm-hmm. help remind me that things are beautiful like that's yeah. something i love to invest in and we have two uh framed originals in our living room of a local artist uh, in her work so that has been another way i'm also trying to see the beauty and support art in a way that's very healing to me, but feels very minimal. Like you don't
0: think of that Mm -hmm. as healing. And then when I see it, I know
1: that that's actually what it's doing for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I completely hear you. I think about that with music too. Like the music that I listen to has an impact on me emotionally, but I don't always realize that. Until I'm crying in the bathtub, you know, and I'm like, "Whoa, yep. maybe I better bring this back up if I'm gonna go do something after this, you know?" Yeah. Or maybe I need to feel this. Maybe I need mm-hmm. to lean into this. Yep. Um, but the way that that can really shape our emotional responses and being thoughtful mm-hmm. about the the media that we do consume, uh, the art that we surround ourselves with, the, mm-hmm. the colors that we, you know, put on our bodies, even. Mm-hmm. Um, really being aware of that impact Mm -hmm. yeah
1: and we have so much more access to that right now because for a lot of us taking in different forms of media is kind of the most we have to do Uh, and even thinking about what we wear I don't think I've put on like real clothes probably since day one of working from home Um, and I do think when I wear my like day pajamas versus just rolling up in the pajamas I wore like yeah. that has a different impact and so right finding those little things that do change your mood
0: in a mm-hmm. good way and mm-hmm. how can you embrace them a little more right yeah definitely yeah I'm 100% wearing sweatpants right oh yeah right now and all the time <laughs> <laughs> so thanks so much for doing this the, the way that I I love to finish this out is asking asking each of the guests, what's something that someone could do right now with things as they are uh, in order to help themselves through a particularly unpleasant or intense emotion? What's a self-soothing or coping mechanism that either has worked for you or has worked for clients or other folks who you've worked with in the past? I would say focus on
1: what you can control. And what you really need in a moment. Uh, there's a lot going on that we have very little control over, um, so finding those things that you can kind of take ownership and accountability for, and how can you manifest those into positive things. So I can control what I think that's going to impact me, I can control what I wear, I can control kind of the things happening in my house around me to a degree, and so finding out what are those things for you that you can control and how do you manifest those into the things you need right now that are positive and uplifting and healing and supportive. because uh, kind of at the end of the day that's all that's all we can be doing right now.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. And that's been so important for folks um coming through, focusing on what I can control and then just really controlling the heck out of it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yep. Really digging in. I loved so much, Adrian, what you said too earlier about um letting go of some of those shoulds mm-hmm. and replacing them with need what do what do i what do I need right now? not yep. what should I do what do I need to do but what what do I need when I dip down into my body and feel as deeply as I can and think, do I need to? finish writing this exam by 4.30. Mm -hmm. I don't need to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't need to do that. Do I need to go get some water? I kind of need to get some water, right? So letting letting our bodies tell us a little bit more.
1: Yep. Yes. And two, with how work is happening or doing homeschooling, anything that's feeling like a lot of pressure, really asking yourself, what do I need? And what is the actual time expectancy of that? I think you had said giving yourself grace and that's something I need to practice more of too. And I think probably a lot of us need that reminder of giving yourself grace, time really means nothing right now. So what do you need to do and what can wait? And just honoring that because nothing good comes when we're forcing things. Mm -hmm. We're not gonna feel better about it. It might get done, but that doesn't mean we'll be proud of it or like it or enjoy it. And mm-hmm. finding that space of if I need to kind of have a little breakdown right now, that's okay. And that will actually be what makes me feel better, not forcing my way or pushing through it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Find what you can control, find how you can meet that need, and then give yourself grace no matter what that outcome is. I think are my big takeaways that I'm trying to also
0: practice. Thank you so much, Adrian. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation that we were able to have today. It's a tough time for a lot of us. So um, just your willingness to be a part of this I, I really appreciate and I value. It.
1: Thank you. And all that right back at you. This is very fun and exciting to be a part of.
0: Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Starting to Feel Better and I look forward to seeing you next week. Intro and outro music was recorded by Goodnight Gold Dust.